I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Apostles' Creed, together we believe. Notice all those hands lifted high. Notice they're not alone, but they're together. This is something that together we believe in. Mark 9, 24 says, I believe, help my unbelief. And we plead to Christ, just as that person that day did, we plead to God every single day, help us in our unbelief. Help us to know you more, to help you stronger, to know you in a way which transcends through not just our own life, but transcends our life into the communities around us. Today we're in week two of this new series, The Apostles' Creed, and today we're going to focus on that statement, I believe in God the Father Almighty. God the Father Almighty. And there's going to be a lot of information thrown your way, but here's what I want you to see. As we look to several different scriptures, and as, as we in the end, we'll also look again to that Acts 17 message that we ended with last week. I want you to see that we live in a world full of Athens. Now maybe that doesn't make sense to you yet. You'll get to it later. Maybe you remember last week this message in Acts 17. But we live in a world full of Athens. A world full of people worshiping many gods and idols instead of the one true God. But listen to this. We must know God personally if we are to show God to others. We must know God personally if we are to show God to others. Now, that's the magnificent thing about, about God and about today's message, what we're going to look at, is this. <clears throat> I'm just going to bring up this slide early for you. Our God isn't just some distant, powerful being, but he is a personal father and an almighty Lord. And we're going to see two things as we, as we look to explain who is this God the Father Almighty? We're going to see that he is a personal God. He is personal to us. He desires a personal relationship with us. But even with how personal he is of a father, he is still an all-powerful Lord. Two things. He is personal. He is all-powerful. But before we get into that, before we get into this God the Father Almighty, let me give you a brief intro I can't give you as much of an intro as last week where we focused the entire morning on introducing this, this series and the topic, the idea of the Apostles' Creed and the idea of what do we believe in. If you need that intro, if you missed last week, I encourage you to go to our YouTube, go to our website and find the link to watch our sermon or listen to our podcast or audio version of the sermon to get the full thing. But let me give you a few highlights. First, yes, we are talking about the Apostles' Creed. And some people that might kind of cringe or you might wonder, why are we talking about the Apostles' Creed? Aren't we supposed to have no creed 
but the Bible. No creed but Christ. No creed but Jesus. The way, the, the truth. But here's the thing. We are not preaching the creed. We are preaching God's word. We're going to allow the creed to, to represent and to lead us into scripture. And that's what we preach. That's what we worship is we worship God. And as we worship God, we go to his scripture to see what does God's word say about him. Specifically today, God the Father Almighty. Last week we had this big introduction, and we used this, this main theme. The Apostles' Creed can be a tool to teach, to support, and to grow your faith to within both you and the next generation around you. Let me say that again. The Apostles' Creed can be a tool to teach, support, and grow your faith to within both you and the next generation. But here's the thing, you must allow the creed to lead you into God's word. I can't stress that enough. You must allow the creed to lead you into God's word because the creed represents, it summarizes God's word, but it still is not God's word. It is not the Bible. The creed is a great tool to summarize God's word and to even give us a brief explanation about Christian beliefs. What do we believe? But even with that said, the creed has some great foundational statements. But the creed does not state all things about the Bible, all things about Christianity. In fact, even though the creed has some great foundations, Apostles' Creed we're talking about, it does not state some very essential doctrines about what we believe. For instance, some of the major doctrines, it does not talk about the authority of Scripture, the depravity of man, the deity of Christ. It doesn't speak about the means of salvation. The justification by faith alone in Christ. Now, I had a teen come up to me this morning after the first service, and he just said, Pastor, thank you so much for your message today. It really helped me to define that term. And first of all, oh, thanks, because I got done preaching. I just felt like I spewed all this info out, and I thought, did you even get anything from it? And I, I pray that although I'm going to give you a lot of stuff, almost like a dump truck backing up a load of rocks on your driveway, I pray that you can scatter out and sort through it and get something from it. Most importantly, I pray this. It gets you thinking about who is God? Who is this God the Father Almighty? And how, do you, how, how does this apply to your life? We'll have some of that later, but here's the thing. Last week, I'm sorry, I was talking about that kid that came to me. He came to me thanking me for that. And he said, but, but pastor, doesn't the creed tell you about salvation? It does talk about Jesus. It does talk about he died, he rose again. And that's true. It has all the info there that we should believe in, but still leaves out more. So we should believe in everything of the creed, but we should believe in more too. We need to be able to explain to people not just what we believe in, but also how they can also believe in the same thing. Even Satan and the demons believe in Christ. They believe in the resurrection. They know the truth, but they don't follow after the truth. We need to be able to explain that to people. Last week, I told you the illustration of a pastor by the name of Matt Chandler, which did a great series on this. He used the illustration to explain the importance of the, the Apostles' Creed. He explained or compared the moon and the sun together. He said that people often look at the moon and they think, wow, look at that beautiful moon. It's so bright. It's so colorful. It's so beautiful. But then you come to this realization that the moon itself does not actually produce any light. It is simply a reflector of the sun. 
And that, and so, so basically the moon lets you know that the moon, <coughs> excuse me, the moon lets you know that the sun is there. And the same thing is true for the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed does not have the power of the light within itself, but it lets you know of the word of God being there. It gives you this great summary to be able to lead you to the true source of light and power and wisdom for not just your life, but for those around you. For those around you. So, the Apostles' Creed should lead us into the word of God. The word creed simply means, I believe. I believe. And we all believe in things. But we need to know, what do we believe about God, the Father Almighty? So with that said, we're going to move into the main section of today with, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. And the first thing that we see is when we read this statement, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, we see that they're specifying who are we talking about here. Now, I explained this to the first service this way. What if it just ended with, I believe in God? We'd have a lot of explaining to do. <clears throat> the world itself, I heard a statistic not long ago, they have something like 3,000 different religions. All those religions worshiping different gods or different form of different gods. But if, we, if somebody walked up to you on the street and just said, what do you believe in? And you just said, I believe in God. And you dropped the mic and you walked away. They, they wouldn't have the full story of what you believe in. You need to be able to explain I believe in God the Father Almighty. So right here, right off the bat, it's talking about specifically what God are we talking about. Now, we could be talking about, if you said, I believe in God, and you're a Christian, you're a believer, or the person has some type of biblical background, church background, they could think of, oh, so you believe in Jesus. That's true. I believe in God. You see, God is the Christian God, our one true God. We know God is a trinity. God is one God, but in three different persons. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we're, we're specifying here that we are first talking about God the Father Almighty. Now later on, we'll talk about Jesus. And then later on, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit. But first, we're not talking about God the Son. We're not talking about God the Spirit. We're not talking about some false god of the world. We're not talking about the god of the elephant or the god of the sheep or some type of weird religion which worships different animals. We are talking about God the Father Almighty. Almighty. And I want you to see this next thing. Our God and what we're, who we're talking about is both a personal father and an almighty Lord. And I think all of us struggle maybe a little bit with one or the other. We often worship God in one way or the other. We, we praise God and we worship him as this personal father. But maybe we struggle with that second part of recognizing him as an almighty Lord. And because of that, we don't truly give him the true respect that he might deserve. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you recognize God as this almighty Lord, as that says. But you, you fail to see him as a personal father who loves you and wants to care for you. And because of that... You try and do everything on your own. You struggle to surrender because you're too often trying to do it on your own because you don't recognize there's this personal father who wants to help you, wants to care for you, wants to save you. And the great thing about this personal father that we're talking about in God the Father Almighty is he is also the Almighty Lord. So we could think about our earthly fathers who are deficient they, they have many deficiencies. They have many weaknesses. 
But that's not this God. God the Father Almighty is perfect. He has no weaknesses. He is all strengths. He has no deficiencies. He is more than proficient in all things. He is the great almighty God. He is El Shaddai. And we'll talk about what that means a little bit later. But I used this illustration in the first service. We struggle sometimes with thinking about God the Father as being also the almighty Lord. Because we, we apply our earthly understandings, our worldly, our sinful backgrounds of Father. We apply that and we think, well, surely I can't see God as a Father because Father's let us down. A lot of us might have had a bad father growing up. I, I've spoke to people where they just say, I just can't understand our God the Father because my dad, he was terrible. My dad beat me or my dad let me down all the time. My dad wasn't there for me when I needed him most, whatever it may be. I had awakening and I, I share this with the church and, and I hope you, you can understand. I hope you can use it for this. But we had a great men's retreat yesterday at Arrowhead Bible Camp. And men that were not there, you really missed out. There was a strong message um, at that camp. Come see me. Well, I bring it up for this reason. I'll explain it. But I bring it up for this reason. I left about noon yesterday. I left after lunch. Because I was convicted that I was not being a good enough father. And I'm pretty open and transparent about these things. And one of these days might nip me. But here's what happened. I went to the homecoming football game on Friday night. And had a great time watching the game. And and fellowshipping, hanging out with friends and church people and community people. But I was listening to, to one of my daughter's friend's mom talk to my wife about our kids. And she said, yeah, Lana was talking to, Lana was talking to, to my kid and saying, we should hang out sometime. And she said, well, we could hang out any Saturday because my dad just works on his sermon all weekend anyways. And to me, that's kind of like a, a, a stab in the heart because it made me feel like my, my kids think Saturday's fun day. And I try and tell them, well, you might want Saturday to be fun day, but there's still chores to be done. I'm still a preacher, so I got to look at my lesson. But I don't realize sometimes how, that how that's perceived to my kids. And that, that hit me because I thought, do my kids think that I'm never there for them? You see, we have these weaknesses as earthly fathers that, that we need to be aware of. And because I left Arrowhead Bible Camp at noon because I wanted to make sure, I, I gave the camp the time to retreat the time, and man, am I glad I did. But I want to make sure my family had the time too. We need to be there for our families. But back to this topic. Our Lord, the God, the Father Almighty, he does not have these problems. Let me read to you Genesis 17.1. It says, When Abram was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the God Almighty. Our God is the God Almighty. Now, now we're going to have a lot of scriptures today, some of them quick little blurbs like this, other than a, a, a little bit deeper of scripture to be able to explain a little bit more. But even this one sentence has so much power. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram, and he said to him, I am the God Almighty. Do you think he needed to say that? I, I'm just envisioning if God appeared before me in all of his splendor, I would probably already be at the ground, facing the dirt, and be just overwhelmed by his presence. But God goes on to say, I am God Almighty. So we don't even have to consider 
is God Almighty? Because God tells us specifically He is God Almighty. We can look throughout His Scripture and see different illustrations of how He is mighty. But then we have this. We're told to talk to God. How do we talk to an almighty God? I mean, what right do we even have to talk to God, to cry out to God? And then to cry out to God, the Father Almighty, as a father. And that's what God's word tells us to do. It tells us Jesus himself in Matthew 6 tells us how to pray to God, the Father. Let me read this to you. Matthew 6, 6 to 15 says this. But when you pray... When you pray, so it's assuming you are going to pray. You need to pray. You can't live a life as a Christian without being in communion with God, talking with him. Another day. <laughs> when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So already we have several things here going on. We already have this personal God being illustrated to us, this personal father. We're telling... We're being told to pray to him, to talk to him. But we also have that almighty Lord, the El Shaddai, the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present Lord being illustrated here. Because look, it says, your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. But even though he is this almighty Lord, and we get some of these attributes illustrated here and how he's all-knowing, he still desires that personal father relationship with you for you to cry out to him and talk to him and let him know what you're going through. Let him know what you need. He wants to help you. He wants to provide for you. But let's read on. There's a lot more here. It says in verse 9, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We need to respect our personal Father and Almighty Lord. We need to hallow his name. We need to bow before his name. We need to worship him. And going on though, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. We also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Like I said, we got a lot there. We're going to keep on moving kind of fast. But I want you to see this. This prayer honors God as an almighty Lord to be reverenced, to be hallowed, to be, to be glorified, to be praised, to be lifted up high. But it also... This prayer is also about a father who wants to hear from us. He wants to hear of our needs. And he wants to provide for his children. But first, the very first thing we see in that prayer, after Jesus kind of introduces it, is he says, praise in like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We need to first honor God for who he is, for what he is, for his all-powerful, almighty Lord his almighty attributes. Our God isn't just some distant, powerful being, but he is a personal father and an almighty Lord. 
Now, like I said earlier, though, this is a very daunting, complex thing to preach on. I've been to numerous doctrine books the past couple weeks as I thought through, how do I teach the entire doctrine of God, the entire, all of his attributes, all of his names, every way that we can worship him, we can look to him, we can respect him and honor him. How do we do this all in one day? And I came to this conclusion, this understanding. I can't. I can't give it all to you in one day. So here's my challenge to you. And we're not at the end of the sermon. Don't get excited. But my challenge is this. I just hope that you can get something out of this sermon which will lead you this week into digging into Scripture for more. We don't know enough about God the Father Almighty. I mean, do we even really truly understand what that statement means? Because I think if we truly understood who and what God the Father Almighty is... We would not abuse his name as we do. I mentioned I was at the football game Friday night at the homecoming game. And this is a rabbit trail. I'll try not to take too long because I've got a lot to cover. But I was at the football game Friday night. And I'm walking around looking for my kids. And it was just depressing, saddening how many kids. And I'm talking like four years old and up. You're here having conversations. They think it's fun. They think it's cool. They're saying, oh my God. Can you believe this? Can you believe that? And Lord, forgive me as I use this illustration, but they don't understand what the Lord God Almighty and his name really means, what it represents and the power behind it. The only time that we should be saying, oh my God, like that is when we are praying to him and, and crying out to him for help. Oh my God, deliver me. Oh my God, help me now. Oh my God, give me strength. Oh my God, I worship you and your power and your beauty. Your wisdom that goes beyond my comprehension. Your wisdom that gives me wisdom to be able to deal with this struggle of cancer when I don't know what to do. My wisdom to be able to deal with my kids when I don't know how to raise them. Your power that goes beyond anything I can even imagine that you're the creator of the heavens and the earth. I heard a lot of other bad words from kids as I was walking around that football game. And some of those kids... I know from the community, and I know they go to one church or another church, and it's an illustration that none of us are perfect, and even our own kids. I, I didn't hear my kids say anything, and if so, they would have heard from it. But we all are going to fail, and praise God, our almighty God, the Father, that he forgives us. He's a personal Father that cares to save us by sending his son Jesus to restore that relationship with us. But, but we need to think more about who is this God the Father Almighty? Truly. If somebody walks up to us on the street and asks us, what do we believe? Who is this God that you worship? Can you tell them anything about him? Revelation 1.8 tells us, speaking of the fact of God is everlasting, eternal, but more than this, God goes beyond time and has always been and always will be. Revelations 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord, the God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The comp this is a very complicated subject to speak on, and this is why. We are imperfect human beings trying to understand a perfect God. We are human beings, sinful human beings who do not know all things. 
but we're trying to explain the one who is and knows all things. That's impossible to do. At some point, you need to come to the realization that God knows more than us. God is more powerful than us, and we need to just accept it on faith that we're never going to know all things as he does. And because this, it is of utmost importance that we look to God's word to see who he is, what he is. God has revealed himself to us through the Bible. And it's, without the Bible, we would not know anything. People have a very limited understanding of who God is, as I'm saying. And let me illustrate this with this illustration that R.C. Sproul used. Um, I want to ask everybody to close your eyes. You if you don't want to close your eyes, fine, but it will work much better if you do. I want you to picture an ice cream cone. So now that you know what you're picturing, it's a lot easier to close your eyes because, boy, I'd love to close my eyes and picture an ice cream cone. That's enjoyable. As you picture this ice cream cone, I want you to think in concrete images. What type of flavor of ice cream would you have in your ice cream cone? Maybe as you're picturing that ice cream cone, that concrete image, you see pictures of strawberry ice cream. Ooh, that's one of my favorites. Vanilla ice cream, chocolate ice cream, pistachio, or some nut flavor. You guys are weird. Open your eyes. Here's the point. I bet you as you were picturing your ice cream cone, you could picture every little detail of that ice cream cone. I bet you as you pictured your ice cream, you, you might even added more things than what I said. Maybe you added some chocolate syrup drizzled over it and leaking down the side of the cone. Oh, that gives me the willies. Sticky. Oh, I don't like sticky. But again, here's the point. You can picture in concrete images what that ice cream cone would be. What is that ice cream cone? But if I had you close your eyes now, and I ask you, with your eyes closed, I want you to come up with an image of God. What do you picture? What do we picture? I think what you find is you struggle getting a picture of God. A concrete image of who God is. Now maybe, as you pictured God, the first thing that came to mind, as it does for all, most of us, is a picture of the cross. Well, that's not God the Father Almighty. You're picturing Jesus Christ and his work. You're still not even picturing him. You're picturing his work that he did for you. Or maybe you picture work of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Maybe you're starting to get the idea of picturing God the Father Almighty, and you're picturing love. Well, to, to create a picture of love is still another abstract image. It's not a concrete image. It's, it's building an image upon emotional responses, you see. Maybe I thought about, and they use this as a reference in this illustration, I remember as a kid, I had this old Bible, and in the back of the Bible, I had a picture of God the Father Almighty as a, as a big, white-bearded man on a throne with a royal scepter or a sword or something. Maybe you do come up with some type of image like that. Maybe you picture Michelangelo's, um, the God of creation, on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Maybe you picture an image of a cloud of smoke. Maybe you picture you're getting a little bit more creative, and as you're thinking about images of God the Father Almighty, you picture a red button on a massive instrument panel. That's deep. Maybe you picture that because you're thinking God is like that red button that can fix anything. 
Maybe it's you picture him as the image of a beloved family member that's been there for you to help you, to guide you like a personal father. Maybe it's like a lightning flash across the sky or a brilliant white light or a giant brain. See, here's the thing. What comes into your minds as we think about God says a lot about our knowledge of who he is and maybe who we're trying to mold him into. But does this image of God fit into with what scripture tells us who he is? Because that's what matters most. We can't mold God, the Father Almighty, into some type of image that we have made and stick them in his po our pocket and take them out whenever we need healing of something or something else. We need to make sure it lines up with God's word, which is where the, the truth truly comes from. Without a proper view or understanding or picture of who God the Father Almighty truly is, you'll have a bad representation of what Christianity really is. You won't be able to explain what you believe at all because your beliefs are founded upon falsity. I don't know if I made up a word there, but it's not based upon truth. Now think further. Do you think God is a cloud of smoke? Are you that one that kind of likes that idea? Oh, God the Father is like that red button. He fixes everything. He creates everything. He does all things. Well, no. God is not any one of these things because he can't be identified really in these images. But we can look to God's word to help us to understand who he is and what he is. The reason why we understand anything about God the Father Almighty is because he reveals in his word to us who he, he is. He reveals through his spirit to us who he is. Without his spirit working in our lives through a restored relationship through Christ... We truly can't understand at all. We only understand because of God's sovereign will to allow us to understand. God wants us to understand who he is. As much as people of this world think he's so hard to figure out, and maybe we think at times he's hard to figure out, God wants us to understand who he is because God wants us to glorify him. God wants us to worship him. God wants us to cry out to him as a personal father and an almighty Lord. But we don't spend enough time trying to figure out who he is. We can spend all the time in the world, especially us men, looking at the football stats, the baseball stats, the basketball stats. We can spend all the time researching how to get that giant largemouth bass and what type of lure is going to work best. Or researching different new scent blockers for hunting. Ladies, I'm sparing you. I'm, I'm beating down on the men. But you get the point. How much time do we really spend in God's word? figuring out who he is. And yet then we want to cry out and wonder, why are we struggling? Normally when we're struggling in life, it's because we're not in his word as we should be. Or we're not communing with him in prayer as we should be. God the Father Almighty is both a personal God and an all-powerful Lord, and he desires for you to be in a, a personal relationship with him. Let's move on and see where I'm left at in my notes. We cannot understand anything about him without his sovereign will allowing it. Without God's personal revelation of himself to us, we would be utterly lost. Because we're not sufficiently intelligent enough to understand him. But because of his word, we can get a little more so and a little more and a little more with the help of his word and the spirit in Christ explaining him to us. Our hearts are corrupted to such a degree from sin that without God's help, we would be nothing. Romans 1.20 tells us, if you're still following along, taking notes, 
Romans 1.20 tells us that God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, are clearly perceived. But then we follow up with that with Romans 1.18, before that, which says, humanity rejects this revelation and suppresses the truth. We know the truth, but how often do we suppress the truth? We don't admit how much we need him because we're trying to do things on our own. Because we don't want to appear, appear weak. We don't want to appear like we don't have all the answers. Because society tells you that you should always have an answer for everything. But we don't. And it's okay to admit that. It's okay to surrender. Moving on. I love this quote. Robert Albert Mueller Jr. says, The God of Christianity is not just an ordinary God. This follows along with our topic. He is the Father Almighty, the Father who can do anything, the Father who possesses all power, the one who created by the power of his word and who rules forever. God is referred to by many different names in his word, and we don't have enough time to discover all the ways that he's referred to. But we must be sure that our understanding, how we define God, molds into scripture. We're talking about God the Father Almighty, and let's look to Isaiah 64, 8, a familiar verse, as we, we try and explain a little bit more what this Father looks like. Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. I think we've, we've got that point, but listen. It says, We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Now, we've heard that said many times. It's a pretty popular verse. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. So if you think about your worldly fathers and mothers, you do probably most of the work, so I don't want to say you don't. Fathers and mothers, we'll include both. If you think about being fathers and mothers, you bring up a child in the direction he should go. You train them, you teach them as they're growing. From being a very baby, you... You teach them how to crawl and how to walk and how to eat and how to drink. And then as they get older, you start teaching them other things. You teach them how to read. You teach your children how to, how to tie their shoes. You hopefully bring them up knowing how to respect their elders, how to talk to an adult. Guys, we teach our guys how to talk to a lady with respect, with honor. We talk to our ladies how to talk to a guy. We teach our kids how to do laundry and cook and iron. I didn't get taught how to do that very well. You teach them how to work on cars or how to mow the lawn. We do these things because we care for our children and we want to protect them and we want to teach them how to live a good life and how to be successful and how to be avoiding evil. Well, God the Father is a lot like this, but he's different, you see. Here's how he's different. If you look at that, but now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. As God's molding us into what we should be, molding that clay, he's not molding us just to be a polite person, a good person. Now, we can look to God's word and what he gives us, and we can see a lot of these things. But ultimately, God is molding us into his image. God is molding us to be more like him and his son Jesus. God is molding us in a way to know the differences between right and wrong. God's molding us to be more like a righteous, living, holy, like thou person. 
That's the difference from God. God isn't just teaching us how to mow the lawn. God's teaching us how to live with the hope of Jesus Christ. He is molding us to be more like him, to be righteous and holy. At least the most we can be with the sin-filled world we live in and the bodies we live in as well. He's teaching us, molding us also to depend on him. Isaiah 41, 9 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Just as us parents, we care for our kids and we want to protect our kids, God the Father Almighty, he wants to care for us too. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to help us. But if we're not looking to him for that guidance, if we're running from him, he can't do it. Now, boy, that's a statement that could be twisted because God is all-powerful and he could. If he wanted to force us to, he could. But just as our kids often run away when we're trying to tell them what's best for their life, sometimes we run away from God too. And we need to learn the hard way that the almighty God, the all-powerful God, and all of his godly attributes, El Shaddai, the El Shaddai term is basically a term to list and to gather together and to sum up all of these godly attributes into one term. He's almighty. I can't really explain that fully in, in 30 seconds. But Psalm 121 tells us more about who the Lord God Almighty is. You see, Psalm 121 defines and tells us that the Lord God is the God of all creations. He's the one that created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. And he does not slumber. Psalm 121 goes on to talk about how he protects us. He keeps us. He gives life and he keeps life. And if we look more into scripture, all throughout scripture we have these names or these descriptors of who God is. Psalm 23 describes God as a shepherd. We were talking about that this morning in Sunday school. Psalm 113 describes God as transcendent. As it says in verse 4 to 5, The Lord is exalted over all the nations. His glory is above the heavens. Who is like our Lord, our God, the one who sits enthroned on high? These are just a few descriptors, but ultimately, who is like our God? Our God is an awesome God, and it's beyond our comprehension, but if we look more to God's word, and trying to give you some of the quick attributes, spewing them off like bullets, God is love. God is mercy. God is graceful, 1 John 4, 8. God is holy. 1 Peter 1.15 God in his character is unchanging. James 1.17 God in his will is sovereign. Ephesians 1.11 That means God is not surprised by anything, but is working out his will in everything. Romans 8.28 God is truth. God is eternal. And the list could go on. We could continue to explain attributes of God. But we don't have time for that. But again, what I want you to see about God is this. Our God the Father isn't just some distant, powerful being. He's a personal Father and an almighty Lord. And it, with him being personal, he wants you to be in a, an intimate, deep relationship with him. But he's also an almighty Lord to be glorified, to be worshipped, and to cry out to. And again, we struggle with one part of this. Which part do you struggle with? 
And how are you going to change that? How are you going to know more about what this means? Some people struggle, I mentioned earlier, about seeing God as a father. Because maybe you had a bad father figure. Let me give you Psalm 103, 8 to 13, which says this. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Psalm 103. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. But then we have this further explanation. As I said, we'd be ending with these few bigger verses to consider throughout the week. Acts 17, 24 to 28, we mentioned last week. Let me read this to you again. Paul said to the people of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. And before we hear this proclamation, I want to see that we live in a world full of Athens. Whether it be Athens cities or Athens people or maybe even ourselves, we often worship many gods trying to get everything just right when really they need to look to the one true God and throw away everything else. Let's read on. <clears throat> This is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Verse 24 of Acts 17. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. <coughs> and does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands. And if he needed anything, rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history. And the boundaries of their lands, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. They even had an altar to the unknown God, guys. They have many gods, little g's. We have many gods, little g's. But do we capitalize g with God as we should? Do we... Do we make sure that people know that he is the most important thing? See, I've got two easy take-homes for you. One is this. As we talked about, the world is full of Athens and idols, but we need to believe in God the Father Almighty in a way that transcends our lives and awakens our neighbors. If you state that I believe in the Lord God Almighty, then you better be able to explain it to people in a way that transcends your life and awakens those people around you. You see, if somebody asks you on the street, again, what do you believe in? You see, say, I believe in God. And you say, well, which God? You shouldn't just say, oh, just some ordinary God. No, this is the God of all creation, the heavens and the earth. A personal father who loves you and cares for you and wants you to cry out to him and pray to him like a father. But he also wants you to, to understand his attributes, his powers, his almightiness, his El Shaddai that he is all-knowing, all-powerful. He is ever-present in all things. He sees what is in secret. He is eternal, the beginning and the end, before all things. He goes beyond our comprehension. He is loving. He is graceful. He is just. 
We could go on and on and on. But let me give you this as we really wrap up. We need to drop the false gods from our life. We need to make room and truly surrender. We need to allow God the Father Almighty to care for you and for all of you for all of eternity. But as long as you're trying to squeeze in all these other things in your life, you're not making room for him. You're giving him five minutes. Or maybe you say, oh, I didn't have time to worship God this week. Why not? Why didn't you have time to to study his word and to look to him and see how he is a father personally and powerful God Almighty? Is it because you're not making room? You're not surrendering? You're trying to do it all on your own? Because we should start off every day looking to him for guidance for how to live that day. We should be pleading to him. We should be worshiping him. We should be surrendering and saying, you know what, Lord? I know I try and do it all on my own, but today I'm going to try and actively realize that each day. And I'm going to give in to your leading. You know what? I might not like how this boss speaks to me today, but I'm going to treat him with respect. I'm going to work and, and do my all. I'm gonna, I'm, I might not like my past. I might not like talking about it. I've, I've struggled. I've sinned. But I'm going to use it as a testimony to do your work. I'm going to surrender to you, God. I'm going to allow you and your almighty attributes. You know all things. I don't. I'm going to allow you to work with it. You tell me what to do. You tell me who to speak to. I'm going to give up my comfort to you. I'm going to do it. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31 says this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth, he does not faint, he does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We might not always feel like we know what to do. We might not always feel like we, we have the strength to move on. God may not take away that problem that you have in your life, whether it be a disease, an illness, whether it be a person in your life that you think you don't like. But God will give you the strength to continue to persevere. But we need to look to him. We need to look to him. I want us to close today's service, not with song, but with reading the words to the Apostles' Creed together. So if you don't like that idea, I just ask that you stand and maybe just stand with us. But if all of us could stand, let's read these words together and recognize that these words may not have power, but they represent and they summarize where we can go to for power. We go to the Lord God, the God, the Father Almighty, and to his word. And next week, we'll talk about the creator of the heavens and the earth, another very hard one. So, I've got the words in front of me, and on the count of three, let's just read this. One, two, three. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, he descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven 
and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We worship God. We praise God. We know God the Father Almighty is both a personal God and an all-powerful God who cares for us and loves us and wants to be there for us with all of his godly attributes being used to help us, but not for our glory, not for our will, for his. We serve him. We serve him. We glorify him. He doesn't need us, but he cares to use us. Amen. Let's pray and we'll, be, we'll wrap up. Lord, we thank you for this word that you've given us today. We thank you for all of your scripture which reveals your truth to us. We thank you for your son, your son, Jesus Christ, who died upon the cross to be able to restore this relationship with you. Lord, without salvation, we would be doomed to hell and all of our sins and all of our, our, our fallacies. But Lord, you, you love us so much that you desire to have a relationship with us and sent your son for us. May we understand more of you each and every single day. And as, as we read in Mark 9.24, may we cry out, I believe, Lord, but help me in my unbelief. May we know what we believe in a way which we can tell others what we believe, in a way which leads them to the holy, powerful, living word of God and into your arms for all of eternity with the hope of Christ. 